Okay, guys, welcome back to the Gundog Notebook, episode 19. All right, this is Darrell Smith. We out here uh, with J- Mr. Jerry Improvento from Field Dog Imagery. All right, so let me tell you about Jerry. First of all, Jerry is an awesome guy. Um, he was absolutely excited to join me on the podcast and really, really supports the cause. So, I mean, guys, if y'all just do me the favor right now i'm gonna give y'all a few minutes uh, a few seconds or whatever you however long to just go go follow field dog imagery on instagram go follow feed field dog imagery on facebook join the page because i mean i i have to push just how much uh jerry really 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 gets down with the podcast and also just how much Jerry really cares about what he's doing, his craft, uh, the dogs that we all love. I mean, this is a a absolute pleasure and an honor to be around uh, and to have a conversation with someone that really respects the the creativity really respects the tradition and really respects the relationship between a gun dog and a handler and really uh, takes the time to observe the dog actually work in the field. I mean, what do you expect? He's a photographer. So this, this episode, I mean, this was a really special episode. Not that all of them aren't, but I mean, just, I hope that you guys feel the energy that comes from this episode. So you know, I don't really want to hold you guys up too long because what Jerry had to say was really, really, really impactful. And, uh, you know, it just, it's, it's monuments, man. It's lightning. It's, it's definitely a significant thing that we all need to hear. And, you know, as far as the gundog community, man, we need more people like Jerry. We need more people willing to share the knowledge, to continue the traditions, to get out there and just allow the space to learn, allow the space to just really appreciate the love that our dogs give us and really appreciate the craft, man. Really just own what it is that we do and maintain a high a high standard for whatever it is that we do in the gun dog world. It doesn't matter whether you like pointers, flushers, man, Look, these dogs give us 110%, so I need us to give 125% to them. And this interview with Jerry really just kept me inspired. It kept me motivated. So I don't want to hold you guys up from hearing him. Uh, This is definitely a friend of mine. You'll hear from him more. Um, You know, at this point, I I owe it to Jerry to come out and see him. You know, guys, I I keep saying that. I guess I'm going to have me some field dog field trips, man. So just getting out there. And respecting the handlers, respecting the dogs, respecting their work, and being able to still do all of that and still capture significant moments, you know, that these dogs have, man. That's what Jerry does. And Jerry is also just the photographer of some very well-known magazines um, in the gun dog world. Uh, Covey Rise, my personal favorite. Gun Dog Magazine, my second personal favorite. Um, both of which he uplifts and really supports both of them uh, very heavily. Shooting Sportsman. Uh, I'm not sure if he's in Gray Sporting Journal. I don't think he is. But knowing him, it's probably coming. I hope it does come if he's not already in it. So just listen to the podcast, man. 
just just listen. Take some time to really figure out why you're in the gundog world, and and that's what it is. Also, please go on and support my podcast, Patreon. Uh, the Gundog Notebook is on Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. And just, guys, this ain't, no, ain't doing nothing but making y'all's podcast and y'all's listening experience better. So please go and support that. Um, I've got a couple of different ideas for projects uh, coming up, some giveaways, some things that are going to be very, very personal from me to you. So just stay tuned for that too. I, I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. I want you guys to stay with me. Okay. Stay motivated. Like I'm, I'm motivated. I'm talking a hundred miles an hour and trust me, I'm from Georgia when I'm this excited or when I'm talking this fast, that means I got to be that, that excited. So just stay with me. All right. Um, this is Jerry Impervento from Field Dog Im- Imagery. Stay tuned. All right, man. Well, here we go. All right, guys. Well, back to another episode of the Gundog Notebook, and this is Mr. Jerry Improvento, right? That's how I say your last name? Okay. Okay. Mr. Jerry Improvento. Um, How are you, first of all? I am well. Great to be here. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Well, um... As I told you before, before we got on, I found your work. Um, I found it on Instagram, and I was always just really captivated by just the the energy that comes through your photos. And I was, and you know, up until this point, I was, I guess, I was kind of uh, nervous to reach out to you until I found out how cool you are. <laughs> so I, um, I definitely appreciate you being on. So tell me this, how did you even get started in photography um, and specifically just uh, the gun dog community? I've always, always been a fan of photography. Um, never really on a serious level until about I guess, four years ago. Yeah. Where I actually didn't get serious with the gun dog stuff. At first, I was actually with personal protection dogs and canine dogs. Uh-huh. Because uh, I got some friends that uh, police officers that are actually canine officers, and they're nice enough to want to come to training. Um, I've taken bites from these dogs in a bite suit. Uh, the photographs, photographing them is uh, yeah, it was a little bit of a challenge. <laughs> yeah, you see one of these dogs coming at you. It's uh, very interesting. It's uh, <laughs> a lot of fun. A great group of people. But um, I've always loved field dogs yeah and once i started getting you know halfway decent with the camera uh with the canines i figured you know i knew one gentleman that did some hunting and uh he was nice enough to let me take along a little bit and he just meet the right people and it just started snowballing a little bit yeah yeah now did you grow up uh hunting or anything like that actually no i didn't pick up uh I didn't start hunting until probably my mid-30s, and it was only doing some upland stuff. Yeah. Um, always appreciated the dog more than actually, you know, hunting. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's great to be in the woods, but there's nothing like watching a good field dog work. Yeah. Um, I'm a setter guy, so I've always had um, my setter of choice is a red and white setter. Mm-hmm. Tough breed to hunt with because there's just not a lot of hunting lines, and so getting a good one is tough. Yeah, I was lucky enough to have a great one, and uh, let me tell you, just being in the field with that dog was just incredible. 
I, I believe it. Um, the photo that I posted on my Instagram, um, I had actually never heard of an Irish red or red and white setter um, until recently. And when you mentioned it, it resurfaced. It was a. I, it might have been one of the magazines, Gun Dog Magazine or any something like that, that I saw it in there. But no, I don't really hear too much about them. I hear about like Llewellyn's and you know things like that. But I, I mean, you're the you're literally the first person I've met with an Irish red and white setter. So there's a that, couple of good ones out there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, some of the better breeders. There's um, a wonderful woman out in California. There's some great people up in Connecticut. Uh, and like I say, just from a, a photography standpoint, you have that type of hair on a dog, and you have that dog running through the field. Those dogs go on point. They slam on point. Yeah. And it's just nothing like it. Nothing like it. Wow. So now, as as pups, do they come out pretty much? You know, instinct takes over. Um, you know, because I've, I've I've always liked pointers. I have I'm a flusher guy, but I've always liked pointers. And my buddy um, has German short hairs, and he just had a litter um, of pups. And I swear, his daughter just literally put a feather in front of that pup, and the dog was it was like it was pointing already. Now, does setters come pretty much out like that? Red and whites are tough because, uh, like I say, genetically, there's just not a lot of hunting lines. Mm-hmm. Like, that have been generation, generation, generation of hunting dogs. It's a big showtime, uh, you know, a show dog. Mm-hmm. So they were recognized by AKC, I guess, a couple of years ago, whatever it is. But their popularity has increased, which sometimes is not a good thing. Because people just start breeding because they're gorgeous, stunning dogs. They're great family dogs. And the field work took a back seat. Yeah. So it's really, really tough to find a decent field line, red and white. Right. Right. Now, where... where uh, to something like the Wellens or, or the English Setters or Gordons. Um, you know, the same fate happened mm-hmm. to the regular Irish Setters. It's just been... The, the hunting has been bright out of them because they become such a show dog yeah wow okay now where did uh i guess where did you get yours from what kennel it was actually my first my good red and white was from a gentleman here uh near where i live on long island he just happened to bring over some dogs from ireland hmm. and uh i was just you know enamored with the breed so i got the dog from him it wasn't it was basically a backyard breeder which is not the best thing to do but I've learned my lesson uh, <laughs> put a lot of time a lot of money into the dog training wise and that was probably the best field dog I've ever had okay it was absolutely incredible but um, sadly at five years old he was having some seizure issues and uh, it was stuff that we couldn't get through and had to put him down Wow, I'm sorry, man. Now that is that the same dog that I saw on your Instagram profile, the one that I had posted? No, that um, that dog is his name is Fergus. Um, he lived actually to right around ten years old. I lost him about a year and a half ago. His uh, strongest attribute was his couch work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he was not a field dog in the least, but man, I would. That's that was my one in a million, though. Yeah, uh, wouldn't trade him for anything. But uh, you know, I'm waiting on a puppy now. I, I found a good breeder. 
just waiting for the female to come with the season and hope it works out. So hopefully this time next year I'll be uh, back in the field training. Okay. All right now. I'm I'm with it. Um well look, let me know when you get it if, if I don't see photos of it already, because I would I definitely want to see, you know, more um, on that breed. You'll you'll definitely see a picture or two. Okay. Cool, 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 cool. So, um up until you know, up until this point, um, you know, you've do you have a website or anything like that? I just want to make sure people can find your work before we even keep going. Or now, because I know you have your Facebook, right? I have Facebook and I have Instagram. The website is still a uh, work in progress. Okay, but um, people have to get in touch with me. Uh, either one, Facebook okay. or Instagram, and it's Field Dog Imagery. Cool, 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 cool. All right, so you uh, you photographed for quite a number of magazines and, you know, what it was Gundog Magazine that you told me, uh, Shooting Sportsman. Uh, you said Upland Almanac, right? I've been in uh, Gundog Magazine, Shooting Sportsman, Cubby Rise, uh, Upland Almanac, um, or something like this. Wildfowl Magazine. Uh, I was in Pheasants Forever. I was in, um, yeah, a bunch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got a whole resume? Oh, my goodness. I'm thinking about it. It's like pretty neat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it actually is. That's why I was so captivated by your work. Um, what is that process like? It's not easy. I mean, it's, it's definitely a tough gig. Um, what they do is some of the magazines, they will actually send you, once your, you know, the, the introduction has been made, they see that the work is halfway decent, you know, can possibly be put into a magazine. Uh, they'll send you like a listing of what breeds are going to be spotlighted throughout the year. So then you just go start taking pictures. Okay. And um, some of the editors and the, uh, Designers at the at the magazines really incredibly helpful. Some are not, so you got to uh, you know you got to work through that. You have to uh, you know work that fine line of trying not to annoy the hell out of them, but get your work seen. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like I say, it's it's, it's not easy. It's a, it's a tough gig. Yeah. Well, you you definitely seem to have a knack for it. Do you have any like? like any standout moments within a magazine, good, bad, indifferent, some that just while you're photographing or while you're trying to get in contact with editors, any kind of stories like that? Actually, I've, the only people I've ever met that my work has been published is uh, the folks over at Cubby Rise. And uh, what a great group. Yeah. I mean, they really are. Uh, super helpful. Uh, my contacts at Gundog, which I've been working with them for since I've gotten serious with it, four and a half, four and a half years, uh, the art director over there is second to none. Mm-hmm. And I've never met him. I've never heard his voice. Everything is, is via email. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, that's the guy that gave me my first cover. So I will always be, you know, <clears throat> love the guy. Great yeah. guy. Yeah, man. I, uh, I'm definitely going to go back and... If uh, if you remember, oh, pardon me, that's my dog. <laughs> um, 
Do you? You're, that sounds. Yeah, right. <laughs> and the only reason this one is barking because he, he hears a, your voice, and I'm sitting here in front of him, and he want to be out. But um, that's what happens when puppies are puppies. They make too much noise. So <laughs> I had to kind of put him up for a second. But knowing me, I'll end up giving in and letting him out. So if I do, bear with me. That's how it should be. <laughs> So he, he got about two or three more times and I'll be like, all right. So, um, so speaking of which, what, uh, aside from Irish red and white setters, um, uh, whoa, let me backtrack. What issue of a uh, cubby rise was that, that you had your first cover on? Actually, I was in cover rise last year for the, uh, the spotlight. It's been on I have yeah. that issue. Yeah, that's yeah. I got uh, I got three or four pictures in there. Wow. Yep, I have but, that issue. Um. <laughs> well, what was great about that was really made me happy. Which it's all local dogs. It's all people that I know. So that that's one of the greatest things is when you can get people that you call friends and you get their dogs in the books. Mm-hmm. That's just great feeling. I love when that happens. Yeah. What uh? What? I've never seen a Spinoni Italiano. What are those dogs like? They're big. They're <laughs> very methodical hunters. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're going to watch. It's not like watching an English pointer run through the field. Mm-hmm. Or, a, you know, a, a German shorthair or something like that. They move, but they're just a very classy, like I say, methodical hunter. Uh, but they definitely have great noses, and they get the job done. Cool, cool. So... It's, I guess it's like the, the, the Beretta shotgun for dogs then, since it's all in Italy anyway, and it's high-quality guns and things like that. Okay, all right. Um, I've, I've always been interested, just as, a, an, as an aside, once, once I get, I guess, enough labs up under my belt, I want an Italian gun dog. I'm, I've really, 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 really been thinking about um, a Bracco Italiano. Um, there's a couple of French breeds that I've been looking into too, but I just love Italian gun dogs. I, I love, you know, what I hear about their temperaments and things like that. Um, the Spinoni was on the list too, because I don't, I don't really hear much about a lot of Italian breeds. You know, I, I just really don't. So I want to do. I've only, I've only seen one. I actually have one headshot of the dog. I didn't even get a chance to see it work the field. But um, Spinoni's, I can tell you, it's almost like a gentleman's companion hunting dog. Mm-hmm. Because the dog's not going to get way out in front of you. Mm-hmm. So it's probably a great dog for, uh, you know, an older, an older guy mm-hmm. like myself that, you, you know, you don't want to be chasing 200 yards away in front of you. Right. You know, trying to grab the dog. They're, they're going to work close and they're going to work. It's, a, it's another classy breed. Right. I, um, I'm, I'm a fan of that style of hunting myself. Cause I mean, and, you know, it's cool. Like when you see like an English pointer or a German short haired, like range out like that, it looks beautiful now. Don't get me wrong. Um, just that, that open, that big wide open gate, but I'm kind of like you in that. Like I want a dog that's going to stay in my area, my lab. I do a lot more upland hunting than I do, um, waterfowl just cause you know, I'm not located on a flyway. Um, next year, I'm right. going to Tennessee for it. But, you know, my my dog, he'll range maybe 20, 30 yards out. Right. 
you know, and I, I, I like to stay in that area. I don't necessarily need a huge ranging dog like that. So getting a pointer, whatever it is that I do, that's going to be a bit of an adjustment, man. And so no, that's definitely going to be a bit of totally just different disciplines. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I don't think you'll be upset. It's yeah. Such <laughs> a fun type of hunting. And the dog breeds are just, uh, love them. Yeah. Up on, uh, dogs. Right. Now, do you, as a photographer and not counting your, your own, uh, artwork, have you like looked in the magazines and and had like a favorite cover or just looked in the magazines like why did this person photograph this? Oh, it definitely happens. I mean, well, that's why I think Bobby Rides, mm-hmm. Sportsman, Gray Sporty Journal, those guys, they they sort of get it, mm-hmm. and it's always higher end and just incredible work. Yep, yep. I'm I'm right there with you. That's. That's been one of my, you know, big nuances. And I thought about it, you know, as I was putting together, you know, uh, some of my thoughts as far as this, inter- you know, this particular interview. And I was wondering, like, you know, what do I like to see and what don't I like to see in a, in a, in a magazine? And, you know, the difference in hunting and, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of the stigma for hunting is this, you know, crazy rough, you out in the woods and, you know, kind of roughing it all day. But then when I turn to some of these magazines like Cubby Rise, it's very elegant. It's very romantic. It's just, it's the whole process from, you know, getting the dogs up, loading them into the truck, um, you know, letting them out into the, into the field or into the woods and learning their rhythms, learning their patterns. It's just a very elegant thing. And I'm, what I like about these magazines, especially your photography too, is it, it captures that, you know. Much appreciated. And Cubby Rise, I mean, like I, I <clears throat> not, not on newsstands yet, but I'm going to do, uh, I actually got the cover for the new April, May issue of Cubby Rise. Yes, sir. Congrats. When, when they told me that, um, you just get blown away. Because, yeah. I mean, the, the talent that is in Cubby Rise magazine and to actually be lucky enough to be chosen for I mean last year when I got the stuff for uh, the Spinonis on the interior of the magazine I was beside myself I mean it was like winning a lotto <laughs> but this was just like I mean I thought it was a joke to begin with I mean it was crazy but uh, it's absolutely just a dream you know it, it doesn't get much better than that yeah no I I believe it um, and you know artistically um I, I would like to do the same with my uh, sporting dog illustration. Not sure if you got a chance to see it, but, um, you know, I want to capture sure a couple dude, talented young men. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, uh, I want to capture that same elegance, you know, with the dogs and whether it's a, a drawing of the dogs, you know, even sitting at home and just kind of laying around, you know, and maybe it's a, couple of uh duck decoys laying around in the background or if it's a dog in the field and uh you know there's one on my page now where it's a it's a black lab with a pheasant in his mouth you know i just want to capture that and capture the 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 colors of the scenery um you know i look at a lot of illustration and if i can add my own two cent you know to the whole gamut of of sporting dog photography and illustration 
you know, I just I want to make sure that it's worth looking at, you know. No, that's the bottom line. I mean, it has to be presentable. It has to have the right content. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually big trying to get some of the magazines to make a move towards. I, I just love black and white photography. Yep. And believe it or not, even with the uh, the bird dogs with like pheasants, cockbirds, the colors still in black and white. It's just there's nothing classier. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, and it, the thing about black and white photography, um, the the little bit that I have done just in school and kind of around, it takes away the aspect of color. So you focus; it, it forces the viewer to focus more on form. It focuses on composition um, more so than it would, in my opinion, more so than it would with color in it. And it really makes you focus on the essence of the photo. You know. It's, it's funny. Some of my pictures, uh, some of the images as I'm processing, and I don't do a lot of processing. I don't use Photoshop. Um, I'm currently using Lightroom. And I'm trying to teach myself. I, it's just one of those things, if I don't get it right in the field, I'm not going to spend an hour trying to make it right on a computer. Right. It's just, I screwed up. It's done. You know, take the picture again. Right. But some of the best black and white pictures I've ever had, I just happened they just didn't work in color. And I'm like, I want to see what it looks like in black and white. And boom, you got this incredible photograph. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like I say, a lot of this, uh, a lot of the time, it's, there's a lot of luck that comes into this. Yeah. That comes into play. Well, I, uh, I, I can definitely tell. Now, have you ever been out in the field and, uh, maybe come home after a day's worth of shooting and nothing worked out? That has happened sadly too many times that you want to discuss. <laughs> you know, when I first started, and actually when the, one of the first couple of times I met Brad, I met him at um, Brad Arrington. I met him at um, a hunt test, an AKC hunt test. And back in the day, when I first started, I'm like, I just got to shoot. I got to get, you know, maximum pictures. I was taking 4,000, 5,000 pictures in a weekend. Yeah. And you process that, it takes me until Thursday to go through all the pictures. And maybe, because I'm really, really, like, crazy critical of my own work, mm-hmm. out of 4,000, I keep 40, if that. Wow. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> <just> on <laughs> Wow. Now, and I want to get on to, um, you know, that, because, you, like I said, you definitely introduced me to Brad Anton. I, I appreciate that. How is it photographing pro trainers like that? There are some pro trainers that you don't want to get within, you know, 50 feet of when they're doing their thing because mm-hmm. they just don't want any part of you. Um, Brad is just one of the classiest guys I've ever met. Yeah. He's a young man, too. Incredibly successful for a young man. And it was just incredible to me because when I met him, I, I didn't know him from anybody. Yeah. And he is this pro trainer and he just gave me a shot. I'm like, listen, you know, is there any problem with me hanging around taking some pictures? And he's like, no way, man, come on down. <laughs> no, he's just a great, great guy. Yeah. But he is a professional, like the consummate professional. Yeah. If you're in the way, he's going to let you know you're in the way. Right. And I learned, you know, spending time with him and his staff of trainers, which is just the greatest crew ever, that you know when to take 
a picture and you know when not to take a picture. Mm-hmm. You don't want that shutter, believe it or not, a shutter, the sound of a shutter actuating can throw off a dog. Hmm. It can make a dog turn around. It can make a dog just lose its game for that split second. And when you're in, you know, the caliber of dog that bred trains, and you don't want to be that guy. Yeah. So you, you have to know when to take the picture and when not to take the picture. Wow. I I guess it makes sense. Like, you know, dogs' ears are, are so, 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 so much better than ours. But, wow. Because if you think about it, the, the click of a shutter is not really that loud. Oh, Durrell, I've been in blinds, like like I say in the beginning, I did a lot more work with, uh, you know, retrievers. And I've been in the blind 50 yards off the line, and I take a couple of clicks, and I see dogs' ears go up, and I see handles looking around. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's no joke. You can really upset a person. Wow. Really, anybody that's listening to the, you know, to the podcast, if, uh, you know, you're looking to get into this, just be aware of your surroundings. You have to be respectful of what's going on because if you don't, you, you're not going to last. And you, I've seen people be asked to leave, so you just got to be careful. Right, and and that's definitely respectful. And I appreciate that uh, that advice because somebody like me, I I just would not have thought about that. I mean, you know, especially at a hunt test, um, we just left uh, Ruger's hunt test about. Let's say a week and some change ago, and you know, just the as as quiet as it was, I definitely understand. Just okay, hey, you know, be respectful of the space, allow the dogs to work, and things like that. But that's such a minute detail that would that, like you said, it'll definitely throw a dog off. Um, so no, especially like a younger dog, mm-hmm. like you have to be careful with the younger dogs. I mean, if you're in, if you're working with a master dog, it shouldn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a master hunter. It's at a level that it's gone to all the, you know, to all the puppy nonsense. And the training is in the dog, but it's a dog. So you just never know how it's going to react. Right. And if you're in some giant field trials, some huge event, you just can't take the chance. Like my rule of thumb now with Brad is you never take a picture of the dog on the line going out. When the dog's coming back with the bird in its mouth, click away. Have right. Party. Right. But now when that dog is about to, to leave the line. Wow. Yeah. Well, that that definitely makes a lot of sense. Um, now, tell me this, because you have, it's a recent picture that you have of a poodle pointer. How are those dogs? Because I hear so many good things about them. <clears throat> a poodle pointer is a breed. That's actually, actually was my first cover, was a poodle pointer for gun dog. And that's when I actually heard of the dog. Because I never knew what it was. It's a dog that I can safely say will never be AKC recognized. What? Sometimes AKC, I mean, it's a good organization, but people don't want it. Because if a dog becomes super popular, and you have all these people that they see dollar signs, Mm -hmm. they're not going to go through the strict guidelines of what you should do when you breed a dog, all the health issues, getting everything checked out. They're just going to breed whoever to whoever mm-hmm. just so they get a couple of bucks. Right. Poodle pointer people are some of the the most hardcore hunters um, that you will ever find. The breeders are incredibly protective of their lines. Mm-hmm. If you're not a hunter, 
Wow. I I I agree with that, man. That stance, I'm sorry, I agree with it. Um, you know, and if I was in a position to breed myself, um, you know, even with Labradors, I because it's such a saturated breed. I can I can give a lot of respect to poodle pointers. I mean, it would it would be great to have them AKC recognized, but you know these these dogs are are they're bred to do a job. They are probably very easy to say that a poodle pointer is I'm probably going to piss people off, but probably the best field dog I've ever been in the field. Okay. I've seen poodle pointers do things in the grouse woods. In duck ponds that just defy description. Wow. Um, these dogs are no joke. I mean, a very good friendly dog. Uh, the dog's name is Rebus. Stunning. Wow. Big, muscular, crazy beautiful dog that he's a goofball when he's around humans. Mm-hmm. But these dogs are bred for fur and feather, meaning whatever's in their path, they're taking. Yep. I mean, this dog has brought home Fox to his owner. Um, it's just, these are purposely bred dogs for a reason. Yeah. They're hunting dogs. They're great family dogs. They can be great family dogs too. Mm. But like I mentioned, it's just if you, if you do not hunt, you're probably not going to get one of these dogs. And if you do hunt and you're upland or you want to do the versatile hunting dog thing where you can use one dog for everything, definitely the breed to look at okay noted 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 i i don't hear much about them but when i do i mean the photos are elegant um and then again i hear nothing but good things when i do hear about them um i don't really see many of them here in georgia um so that that would definitely be something to look towards um, like I said, I, I have not settled my mind on any kind of, you know, pointing dog of any sort yet because I haven't quite got there. But I've got my list building. <laughs> I've got my list building. No, actually, um, Brad has worked my buddy's dog, Rebus, up here because Brad also has a facility up here in New York. Mm-hmm. And um, he was he, he's actually had a couple down in Georgia, too, but he's definitely impressed with the breed. I mean, it's a dog that... I have another good friend here who got a puppy about a year and a half ago, and at eight weeks old, this dog was locking up on a wing. Wow. Like, locking up, like, it was just absolutely amazing to watch. Wow. Okay. See, that's that's good breeding, man. I, I can definitely, definitely get down with that. Um, shoot. <laughs> I just never would have saw that coming. I mean, poodle pointers, and... You know, and I hear so much about um, uh, German wire hairs or, or the German field test and drothars, you know, and and they, so many people talk or speak so highly of them, but Poodle Pointers, you just never hear about them. Another great breed is uh, for a virtual dog, is a wire hair pointing Griffon. I'm mm. lucky enough to uh, be good friends with a gentleman up here that has one that, it, another Another breed that's real heavy show line wise. Um, not that easy. I haven't really seen that many good dogs in the field, but he happens to have unbelievable dog with an incredible work ethic. I mean, this dog is just, it's not happy unless it's on point or bringing something back in its mouth. Oh, 
Wow. <laughs> they, are, they are incredibly beautiful dogs. Yeah. Really, really beautiful dogs. I, I see them all. I see them. Um, and just that hair, you know, that that hair is just beautiful. So that's that's cool. So let me ask you this. Back on your photography, what what to you determines a, a good photograph? Like you if you're narrowing down four thousand photos down to forty, you have to know, you know, what determines quality, but you also have your own particular style that is I mean, it's all you never seen anything. So what determines a good photograph for you? To me it's about, I guess, the look. Like if I can capture a dog that's focused, that's on point, that just has that look in its eye, if I can get you know, I, I don't think a photograph is complete unless I have some catch light in the eye. Mm-hmm. Um, I love really sharp photographs. Uh, that's why I love uh, I love wet dogs. I yeah. love working dogs, setters, the wire hairs, the poodle pointers. The more hair flopping around, the better. Yeah, <laughs> just for a more dramatic photograph. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, look, I, I'm gonna have to get up there and bring my old crazy dog. I promise you, he's gonna be impossible to photograph because he don't stop moving. No, I'm used to it. I mean, that's that's what the joy of this is. I mean, just being out in the field with these dogs and you know the incredible humans that own them. Mm-hmm. I'm very lucky to meet the people that have had that. Yeah, that have given me the access to these dogs. Wow. Now, um, now, did you hunted some this season, right? I didn't do much of anything this season except working with the camera. Okay, okay. So I guess the camera is your gun then. That's most of my shooting is with the camera. <laughs> <laughs> well, if if you had to say your, uh, you know, your preferred game bird to hunt when you do go hunt, what what would you go for? It's a really hard type of hunting, but getting in the grouse woods. Hmm. Getting wild bird, a wild grouse, man, there's just nothing like it. Hmm. First off, it's, it's, it, there's nothing easy about it. The terrain is incredibly hard. It's hard on the dogs. Yeah, but when you see a good dog working the grouse woods, man, it, it just doesn't get much better. Right, right. And you're in New York, right? Where, where about? I am. Okay, where would you where would you hunt in New York? Because us down here, New York is, I mean, it's it's considered like yeah. There's nothing close. We have to travel from where we are, usually minimum three hours, usually more like five or six. Wow. But let me tell you, every minute is worth it. Yeah. I've got some of my favorite pictures ever from the Glasswoods, and I haven't even gone that often. But uh, it's just a wonderful, wonderful way to spend the day with the dogs and uh, some good people. Yeah, I I've never hunted grouse before. Um, we don't really have a significant grouse population down here. Now we have um, up in North Georgia, up in the I want to say up by the Chattahoochee National Forest. I've done some um, some mapping a little bit. Just I, I think Cornell Uni- or not. I think I know Cornell University has like a bird. Uh, a bird list and it kind of show you shows you where the populations of birds are and stuff like that. And I've looked at rough grouse and we don't really have that many. There's a, I mean, when I tell you there's like a speckle of them down here, just, just enough of them. So I, I one day I want to get on some grouse, but I've never done it before. Most of the birds that we do here are, uh, you know, quail, 
uh, mostly pen raised birds and things like that. And then, of course, we'll go out of uh, out of town. And my dog actually got his first uh, wild quail flushed, shot out the air, uh, retrieved all the way to hand. It was perfect. And messed Yeah, man. I mean, it was beautiful. And I messed around and got a photo of, of the uh, dog. And that's him clicking around. I think my dog is being a jerk. Hang on. Let me just let him out. Hang on. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's, it's one thing to hear his little nails clicking around in the cage. It's like, all right, dude, you 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 just, <laughs> you trying to get out. Let me tell you, if you get bread on the pod- podcast, he's a trainer. He's going to yell at you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I had to give in. And look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be mindful of that around bread. And there ain't no giving in. <laughs> <laughs> this dude right here and this big old lab tail, but... As I was saying, so I, I photographed it. The, the retrieve was great. Um, comes back, and I snap a photo with my phone. Photo was semi-blurry. I was like, oh, really? <laughs> I mean, it... it we got to get you up here. We got to get you up here and do some... Uh, get you in the Grasswoods. Oh, of course. Now, can I hunt Grasswood Labs? Because I know that, I mean, they're kind of skittish. They're kind of skittish from what I understand. Yes. Very, very fast. Um, really fast bird. I don't, like I said, I'm not like a crazy hunting professional. I, I do enjoy being in the woods, but I don't think I'm saying it incorrectly if I say grouse is not the place for a flushing dog. Right. <laughs> right. Because I, I mean, and I see videos and stuff all the time, and most grouse hunters that I hear about, they have setters. Or some kind of pointing dog, and you know that dog will sit and hold for a, a good long time, and as soon as the hunter walks up, that bird is gone. Now I say that, and I should backtrack a little bit because I have a friend here that has two absolutely incredible English cockers that yeah. I know he's had some success with. Yeah, and English cockers are uh, a flushing dog. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, those little dogs are pocket rockets, man. There is there is no harder work in trying to film them. <laughs> seeing them work in the field, you get tired of just watching. Wow. They're not big dogs. I mean, it's a 27, 28-pound dog. Yeah, that's that's about all it is. And I mean, that's sopping wet. So you're, you, you don't see them. But every time I see an English cocker, I mean, I'm... Thoroughly impressed with the performance, though. I mean, that is a that's a that's a firecracker of a dog. Oh, it's, it's great if you have some semi-long grass, tall grass. Yeah. You see these dogs wet. You don't see them until they jump to see where they are. Yeah. So they jump jumping over the height of the grass just so they can get like a quick view of what's going on or where the human is. It's 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 a really fun dog to watch work the field. Wow! 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 Well. I'm definitely going to get out of there. There's a uh, there's a couple of good uh, English cocker breeders down here, um, you know, and I I I think uh, what's that? Is it Kevin's catalog? There's a guy that uh, has like a oh yeah 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 I know who you're speaking of uh, Riglin yes Obiglin gun dogs yes yeah, that's a really high end English cocker yes Absolutely. and. You know, they just they look like great dogs. They do, and they're down in Thomasville as well. Um, 
I just need to get down to that area, honestly, because <laughs> it's not far from where I'm at now, Thomasville, Georgia. And uh, they've got their they, Thomasville actually has a very rich history of, uh, you know, gun dogs and things like that. So I need to get down there in that area, too. So um, I want to kind of go check them out. So I guess what um, if you had if, if you didn't have setters, what would be your next breed? I don't know if I can answer that. <laughs> so many people would yell at me. <laughs> well, it's well, fine because sure my wife yells at me all the time about it. As soon as this podcast was over, they would be, uh, what do you mean? <laughs> um, if I couldn't have a setter, what would be my choice? I still have to go for the hairy breed. So actually, it would probably be a toss-up between a white-haired uh, griffon or a poodle pointer. Okay, okay. I should have known you were going to say that. I, if you want, I mean, like I said, if you want just an all-out-and-out, the most versatile dog ever, I guess you would lean towards the Poodle Pointer. Yeah, yeah. Yo, it, it's something about these German breeds, man. I mean, what did the Germans do that, because that, a Poodle Pointer, it, yeah, it's a German breed. So what did they do that just made these dogs so phenomenal? I think it was just the breeding genetics that once they got a good dog in the field, and they, they just didn't play. I mean, it's just not, okay, your dog looks nice, let me greet them. No, they want to know that the dog does certain tasks in the field, does them strongly, they, they're very focused on what they want. Yeah. It's no joke. And luckily for the breed that's carried over to most of the breeders here in the States. Mm-hmm. Like I say, if, if you're not a, a, you know, a true hunter, that these dogs are going to be in the field, um, you're probably not going to get one. Right. Right. Well, I mean, like I said, that that just boils down to you know quality breeders and respecting it. Because at the end of the day, as and I'm sure you've heard this plenty of times, but we all have to do what's best for the breed. You know, and so many people so are. How it should be. Yeah. It, it should be, and so many people, are. It, it, it comes off kind of, I guess, you know, stuck up or snooty, but, you know, I, I tell people, well, wouldn't you want the best for your son or your daughter? I mean, of course, you can't necessarily pick that all the way, but I would imagine that, okay, if I can do something to uplift this being, why would I not? Absolutely. And, Absolutely. You know, at the end of the day, I think it's really should be about the dog. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, making sure that, that, that the, the breed is correct, or you're breeding correctly, you're doing the proper health clearances, you know, um, look at the lab, look at, like, the golden retrievers, I mean, the overbreeding, the mm-hmm. people just don't care, it's, it's terrible. Right. And who was it in the end? The dog. The dog, right. Right. And and that was one of my things, when I got my lab, I love him to death, he's a, a nutcase, but... I mean, he's a, a, a hell of a hunter and I got to credit that to his breeder, Melanie, like she, you know, she was able to answer every question that I had and say, hey, his mom was, you know, his, his mom and dad were good hunters. Um, you know, here's images, here's photos and things like that. That just really reassured me. So out the gate, I mean, this dog had bird sense and everything like that. And and those are the kinds of questions you, you want to have um, and get answered. So, 
like you said, it, in order for the dog not to lose, the breeding has to be on point. Um, and the representation. Now, let me ask you this: Have you ever seen um any of the work at the uh the uh the uh field dog museum down in Tennessee? No, I have not. I didn't even know there was one. Yeah, there is a. And let me get the actual name because that's going to be a uh, a field trip for me. It is the Field Dog Museum. Let me get the actual name for you. Hang on. The National Bird Dog Museum. That's what it's called. And it's in, uh, it's in Tennessee, in Grand Junction, Tennessee. And I mean... It just it keep it's on the Ames plantation. It keeps a, a very good history um, and documentation of just a lot of field dogs over time. So it you know if you're interested, I I would say man check it out and hell your photos <laughs> they should have some of your photos in that museum. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's a wonderful uh, compliment. Thank you. Seriously, man, because you know I I look at I look at some of these photos that you you produced and. You know, 5, 10, 15, 50 years from now, people are going to have a very, very rich representation of what these dogs are. And and you can look at some of the photos and be like, wow, this dog was very talented. Um, you capture the essence of it. So, you know, it's as it's, it's, it's much a compliment as I can offer you, man, but it's, it's not a lie. Seriously, I would I would I think that this particular museum should have some of your work in there. I mean, seriously. That's so, great. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I gotta check it out. I definitely gotta check it out. Yeah. It's, it's down That's in so Tennessee. You just wanna, you just wanna be able to get the, capture that moment that captures the dog mm -hmm. doing what it was bred to do. Right. You know, let the genetics play out. Let the, mm -hmm. Just catch that one second when that dog is either on point or seeing its eye when it's got the bird in its mouth coming back but how happy it is it's, uh, that's that's the good stuff that's the good part of this right right well when we um when we get off i'll send you i guess their website it's just birddogfoundation.com but i mean i'll send you the link to it and stuff like that you know it's worth taking a look at um and just kind of seeing what there is to offer because there's so many good breeds out there um some known, some, you know, a little more rare, but I just think that just more knowledge in, in that area makes us better trainers, makes us better uh, handlers, um, and, it, and it makes the story even better, you know, to be able to say, like, I can imagine some of the stories that you come back with after, you know, photographing this stuff, especially if it's a dog that you've never seen, you know, that's one more, that's one more good story to add to, you know, your experience, that's that's just one more good story to add to your experience and just being able to see rare breed dogs and things like that that's phenomenal dude i mean you've really started to trend uh not a trend but you you started a very 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 significant uh contribution to the gun dog world man and it's not gonna be forgotten now look i'm gonna boost you as much as i can well it's funny That's how I figured I can really get into a magazine when they send out some of these rare breeds. So I was, I've gone to lots of different states trying to catch these dogs, you know, get pictures of your dogs. Yeah. And you have owners that, you know, you, I ask the questions, you know, how good is the dog in the field? 
how much obedience does it have? Is it going to hold the bird for me? And you know, all the time, yeah, 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 everything's great. The boat's incredible. It's amazing to watch. Right. I drove to Virginia for a dog. Who the owner just swore up and down. It was an incredible dog. I mean, I drove seven hours one way. What? And the dog would not pick up the bird. Are you serious? Didn't want any, didn't want any part of the bird. It was, I was actually there for about 40 minutes. That's all I was there. I got back in the truck and drove seven hours home. <laughs> I, I, I can imagine you were kind of frustrated. That brings that frustration. And the same thing happened with another uh, rare breed. I go all the way out to the edge of Pennsylvania. And they had a bunch of these dogs. Not going to name the breed. But, uh, <laughs> They open up the car door, one door and starts charging me or growling, barking. Five dogs. I wanted to pick up a bird. Wow. Okay. I mean, I still got them in the books. They still got into the magazine because, uh, you know, the rare breed, not too many guys submitted, I guess. But you just got to be careful when you go going after some of these rare breeds. Just yeah. do your homework and make sure the dogs are, you know, the way they represent them. Right. Make sure they're telling the truth. Right. Oh, oh, I can believe. Like, there are, you know, I, I watch a lot of these videos and things like that, and the, the retrieves always seem great, but I can imagine how many takes it took to get that one retrieve or that one flush. Oh, exactly. or, oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> and then and, and it's funny because, you know, folks will go back and be like, oh, yeah, this is my dog in the magazine. It's like, Wah. Okay, but your dog didn't pick anything up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wow. It's basically useless, but it's in the books. Right, but it looked good, though. It's fine. <laughs> wow. Okay. Man, Jerry, this is this has been um, amazing. And, you know, I, I, I could go on for hours. We could talk about 50 million different dog breeds and everything, different experiences. And I'm so new you know, into the world, you guys are just, you know, giving me more, uh, you know, just more to think about, but I just can't say how much I appreciate you being on here and just offering your insights. Um, I also want to get some more, uh, just some more illustration work done, uh, you know, from your photos. I just use them as reference photos and things like that. And I still want to send you one. You said no, but I still want to send you one as a thank you. No, make the money. You do what you got to do down there. Feel free. I mean, anything you see, if you like, if you need, you know, I'll send you whatever you need. Okay, man. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Jerry, I uh, I kind of want to wrap this up. We, we're getting close to about an hour. Um, but, of course, you're going to, I'm going to bug you now. Now you're my friend. So. <laughs> All good. Yes, sir. Well, thank you again. And um, I will definitely send you the link to this podcast. It should be it should be uploaded tonight. I want to do some editing and make sure that the um, audio quality is best as it can get. And uh, of course, I'll send you the link for it. I so look forward to it. Thank you for the opportunity. Hey, man. Thank you. Thank you for everything, Jerry. Outstanding. Have a great night. All right. You too.
Okay, guys, so Jerry definitely wanted to add one more part that I felt like uh, we mutually feel like is uh, critically important to add to the podcast, and it was about uh, NAVDA, North American Versatile Hunting Dog Association, and, you know, Jerry's a big supporter of NAVDA and just felt like it was imperative that we put this in here. And so, you know, give us a couple more minutes of your time. Let's talk about that. Uh, NAVDA's done so many great things for the gundog world, and Jerry is definitely one to honor that. So here we go, the last part. What you think about NAVDA? You wanted to tell me about it. And, uh, yeah, I just, I'm interested in hearing what you have to offer about it because I hear so many good things about them. NAVDA stands for North American Versatile Hunting Dog Association. Um, a lot of different breeds, uh, German Shorthairs, Whitehead Pointing Griffons, Spinoni mm-hmm. Italianos, Brackos, um, a lot of wonderful breeds, fun to watch. It's really, really great training uh, because what it states, it's a versatile dog. Right. So this dog has to be able to do everything. Right. It has to be able to do upland, it has to be able to do waterfowl. Um, the two groups that I work with up in New York here, Mm-hmm. Uh, Hudson Valley chapter and the Rock Tavern chapter. Okay. Just some of the, uh, I tell you what, some of the best people, some of the best trainers. Some of these guys could actually go pro if they wanted to. As far really? As training. Yeah, no joke. Wow. Uh, really talented people. Unbelievably helpful. So whether you're, you know, at the highest levels, where you're going to go to the Invitational, which is. Uh, the test that NAVDA does every year for the highest dogs, you know, the highest capability dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, if your dog is at that level or your dog is at the beginning level, which would be natural natural ability for puppies, um, these people just help you out. They'll get you where you want to go. Uh, really, really, really good organization to be, uh, if that's your game, if you want to be, you know, have that type of dog, you know, nice. the people to go to. Nice. Well, that's what I hear. So, what about the history? Like, how did Nav? Do you know anything about the founding and stuff like that? I'm still too new. I should have been more prepared. <laughs> no, it's fine. It I is totally fine. I think I think they've been around for a while. Yeah. Um, but like I say, it's just just a great group. No, a really good group of people and organization. Now, how did you get involved with it and hear about it and stuff like that? many years ago because once I started getting with the uh, you know the field dog work mm-hmm. and the hunting dog work and someone said you know listen we're doing some training today you know it's the NAVDA chapter it's Hudson Valley and I'm like what's a NAVDA <laughs> so I just didn't know and yeah. I was taught a lot of things these are some uh, you're going to learn a lot of stuff when you're with these people yeah and you're going to have a great day it's, it's you know it's a lot of hard work but at the end of the day you're still going to have a good time Right, and I mean, you know, from, excuse me, I'm sorry, I had to catch my words, but from everything that I hear about it, you know, these are the cream of the crop of dogs, you know, I mean, these are some of your best breeders, some of your most focused breeders. Um, Now, let me ask you this, when you talk about versatile dogs, would you, and it's, it's, I'm really just getting your opinion about it, maybe this is a crazy question, but would you consider a Labrador a versatile dog? 
I think a Labrador is primarily a uh, more of a flushing dog. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Which is not. Which is not if considered a nov the type breed. Right. Because. But I mean, there are uh, retrievers out there, Labradors that will point. Right. But I don't, uh, Labrador Retriever is not a recognized Nopper dog. Okay. I might be wrong on that. I'm pretty sure I'm correct on that. No, no I'm pretty sure you're correct. And I, I asked because, again, there are pointing labs out there. And you don't you don't really see them too much or you don't see them at all in NABDA. But, you know, like I run mine upland, but he just doesn't point. You know, and there are pointing labs out there. And there are water, I mean, most labs are waterfowl dogs anyway. So I was just curious about the definitions of it. Um, I figured I would ask. <laughs> that was kind of one of one of a one off for me. Um, so what does um, as far as the NABDA process? What does that look like as far as get you know becoming a part of it? Uh, it's pretty simple. I mean, obviously you have the right breed. Mm-hmm. Um, hook up with your local chapter, um, and just be ready to work. You know, uh, like I say, some of these guys, the, the amount of work involved in running a chapter mm-hmm. is huge, huge. Right. So give it back to the club. You know, when they have days that they're going to work, if they have to clear fields, whatever they have to do, right. if um, and just be serious about it. Nobody wants their time wasted. You know, right. a lot of these, like I mentioned, a lot of these guys are incredible trainers and have a gift with the dogs. Right. So. Don't bring your dog there and, you know, not do as they say. Make sure you're working with the dog when you're not training with them. You know, basic stuff. Right. Okay. Now, have you, do you have any experience on what, like, the invitational's like and things like that? They couldn't go last year. They mm-hmm. actually, uh, I think at the beginning of last year, one of the um, officers was at a test at the local, one of the local chapters, and uh, he actually asked me if I wanted to you know, do photography at the Invitational, mm-hmm. but scheduling, I just couldn't get there. Man. Hopefully this year, if I'm asked again, um, yeah, that'll be pretty neat. Yeah, that'll be good to get you out there. Look, I'm I'm totally a fan, so anywhere you go, I'm going to be looking for your photos now. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, I was listening to um, Ronald Bain's podcast, um, the Hunting Dog podcast, and recently, like an episode or two ago, there was a guy that runs poodle pointers, um, ironically, and he's a poodle pointer breeder and so on and so forth. Um, and I wanted to get some clarity. Are poodle pointers not considered nab- NABDA breeds? Oh, no, that's definitely a virtual breed. Okay. Okay. Oh, my goodness, yes. Because yeah, I, yeah. I want to review kind of the history and story because they were going on about it. I just, within the last couple of days, I haven't really had a lot of time to listen to the podcast in detail. And I wanted to, I wanted to kind of get some clarity on that. But, I would think so. As highly as we spoke about poodle pointers um, the last time, you know, I would think that there would be a nab to breed. So maybe I, my my information on the history is just off then. But no, absolutely. Yeah. They, um, you know, you, you the word versatile it just covers them perfectly. I mean, I've been in water when they're getting ducks. I've been upstate in the grouse woods when mm. they're getting grouse. It's uh, they're amazing dogs to watch work. Right now. This is another thing that I wanted to um, ask you about. Have you ever hunted woodcock before? I have not. I yeah. have uh, friends that have. We actually have so 
some birds locally here mm-hmm. in, uh, on Long Island in New yeah. York. What, um, I guess, what has their experience been like or what, how, how have you interpreted that? Cause I don't really hear much about woodcock down here. And every time I hear grouse, I, it's synonymous to the, you know, to woodcock, which are two different birds, of course. But, you know, I always hear, if I hear one thing about grouse, I hear, hear another thing about woodcock. What's, I guess, what have they told you about it? Um, I think the, the cover for a woodcock, for woodcock hunting is, is a bit different from the grouse. It's not as in thick of a cover. Mm-hmm. But that is not my expertise. I, right. I, right. I, so I don't want to give out wrong <laughs> No, look. You're about the closest person that I know that that's hunted woodcock and stuff like that. I'm one of the few people that I know. So look, I'm just pulling strings and trying to figure out like what it is because I want one day I want to get out there and hunt those birds, you know, and just really see what's up with the challenge because I'm always game for a challenge. So I want to get out. They're a good-looking bird. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They're a very, very you know distinct-looking bird too. Yes, absolutely. So that's cool. Um. You know, and that's that's all I want to hear. I think my buddy Shane is either trying to get involved with a NAVDA chapter down here, or they're starting a NAVDA chapter down here in in uh like Middle Georgia, kind of some of the areas that I hunt. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that there's the stirrings of a NAVDA chapter uh, coming around down here, man. That'd be huge. That's uh, like I say, just even if you don't have a NAVDA dog. You know, uh, eligible dog, just go. Just go, just go for the day and hang out and watch how these people, you know, work the dogs and, and the quality of dog and the ability of the dog. It's, it's uh, a lot of fun to see if you're a dog person. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know, I want to definitely encourage a lot of my listeners to get out there because I know I'm. I don't just have, uh, you know, flushing dog followers. So any of my listeners, like, I want to encourage them to be a part of that if they're not already. Um, I've heard nothing about nothing but good things about NAVDA. I just don't clearly have a, a, a versatile dog in that sense. So um, I still want to get more involved. Go, like you said, go out and see it and just learn, man. Like it's just a really good thing. And I mean, I even appreciate you. You know, hit me back up. It was like, hey, look, <laughs> one more thing. That was. I'm I'm always down to get more information out there because again, it's it's just sharing. You know, it's just saying. Yeah, I, I didn't want to leave. You know, the people involved in those chapters because they've uh, they've given me some incredible exposure. Right. No attended. Right. Um, to some incredible dogs and just you know, it's you're asking a lot during a training day. You know, to stick your camera right. in front of a dog while it's working. Right. So it's uh, really, really appreciate these people. Oh, that's cool, man. Well, I'm going to. Uh definitely make sure i um do some more research on them and just you gotta get up here uh yeah i clearly do because i now i owe it to you to come and meet you jerry so (laughs) (laughs) i definitely need to man and look i want to get out to get out there on a hunt with you or something like that let's have a good time well the training season's coming up for for all the other clubs uh Uh, yeah this is when everyone starts training so okay yeah okay maybe we can work something out over the summer Dude, yes, and I got it. Look, I'm a teacher, so my summer is pretty much free and clear. Like I, I don't do anything other than. Oh great! Okay. Yeah, <laughs> my summer is free for two months, so I want to get up there with you. Look, this summer, um, he- hello Ruger. <laughs> um, 
he now he wants attention. So, you know, this summer I want to definitely work out some stuff and just take a bunch of field trips, as I call them, and just get up there and, and meet you guys, man. I got a lot, a lot of work to do and a lot of learning. And y'all ain't doing nothing but teaching me. So, I owe it to you. That's great. Well, dude, Jerry, thank you, man. And, and that, that last part, like, that was necessary. And, and it's I'm glad you reached back out to get that in there. So I appreciate you taking the time. Okay, guys, that's pretty much where the podcast cut off. Um, I just want to take some time out, man, and just, you know, ask you guys to bear with me and bless this podcast, bless our experiences, bless the histories that we've uh, accumulated and the histories that we document and record uh, on this podcast. If I can ask you to just, you know, take some time to really sit back and think about why you do this, you know, why you're here, uh, why your dog is, is, here working with you, what those experiences look like, you know, in the field, just take some extra time to document why you do this guys. Um, you know, as, as a young hunter, as a, as a new hunter, I'm not necessarily interested in, in all the titles. If it doesn't mean I'm not going to have a good time out in the field with my dog, the titles are cool. The experiences are great, but you know, I really want to make sure we remember the elegance, the grace, the uh, just the spirit of what it is that we do. That's definitely important. And we got to uphold these traditions and maintain our own. So, you know, Jerry just really, really I mean, that's a good dude. That's like, that's a solid dude. All right. Um, I I'll say it 50 million times, but 50 million times over. Um, Jerry also introduced me to uh, Brad Arrington down here from Mossy Pond Retriever. So look forward to a podcast coming up from Brad. Um, he's also, look, if Jerry speaks highly of him, I'm with it. It's no question for me to believe him. I mean, for me to not believe him. So uh, I, I, I trust that. Jerry introduced me to an awesome guy, and Jerry supports the podcast, you know, 1,000%. So thank you, Jerry. I want to personally say thank you on the podcast for getting on. And, uh, you know, thank you for to Covey Rise, number one, for being my favorite magazine, but number two, for allowing Jerry to, you know, showcase his talents on the cover. Thank you, Gundog Magazine, for allowing Jerry to, you know, feed us with this with this uh, imagery that we need. You know, Jerry's definitely, definitely, definitely advocating for, you know, organizations like Covey Rise, Shooting Sportsman, Gundog Magazine, NAVDA, um, you know, just everything that was in the podcast. We've been here. We, we, you've already heard it, so I don't need to just reiterate it. But guys, if it's anybody that I can say, you know, really model the attitude for what the why, the big why that we do this, Jerry's somebody that, that we can add to the list, okay? So just, guys, stay in the game with me. I'm staying inspired. I got to. I got to do it for y'all. And just remember, you know, we're in this to share the information, this is not for money. This is not for fame. This is not for accolades. This is not who has the best dog. I could give quite a good goddamn 
on who has the best dog. Do you enjoy why you're doing this? Do you know why you're doing this? Okay, so just sit back and think about that, man. This is the Gun Dog Notebook, episode 19, uh, with Jerry and Provento. This was a pleasure, Jerry. Thank you again. And we are out.